Thanks for tuning in to Timberlake's Message Podcast. Taking your next right step doesn't have to be live on the weekend. It can be right now. So whether you're checking this message out for the first time or you're just looking for a weekday refresher, we hope you can apply to your life these practical teachings and through that, come closer to God. To find your next right step, check out the connection card at timberlakechurch.com connection card or find it on the Timberlake Church app. Enjoy the message. I'm starting a new series this week called Trusting God When You Can. And it's based on the book of Jonah in the Bible. And we're going to get into that in a moment. Uh, But really what we're going to look at today, and it intersects uh, many areas of your life, is this concept of positive disruption. We all have disruptions in our life. Some are negative that can turn to a positive, and even positives that can turn to a negative. Uh, Just to help you get started, I know even though you're the service that slept in, uh, sometimes I need to get you going. Someone sent me a few of these. I thought this was a good juxtaposition. One in three people in Louisiana will die from heart disease. Two for three dollar croissant sandwich. Yeah, I think that's related. Uh, This one, I like this. Uh, As a mom, I constantly worry about the safety of my children, like especially the one who's been rolling her eyes and talking back to me. And then this is a great one, an old cough syrup bottle. Look at what it's made out of, alcohol, cannabis, and chloroform. You're definitely going to sleep well after that one. Uh, Well, several years ago, uh, I talked uh, about this idea of positive disruption. Many of you, and and we're going to apply this if you're, you know, in the business world, obviously there's tons of applications, but there's also applications in our personal life, in our family as well. Many of you are familiar with the the sigmoid curve, and, and this is primarily talking about organizations. In a typical organization, You'll have the launch, this period of learning. Things start to go well. Here they're talking about the founder's trap where sort of the lid becomes the leader. Uh, And then the Midas trap where you're sort of around the money becomes the only metric. And in a natural phase, organizations uh, decline. And we see this too happens with people. How many of you went to your 10-year reunion? Any of you go to that? Okay, you didn't. Then you go to your 30-year reunion. What did you see? Decline. Yeah, that's what you saw. So it happens in our physical bodies, right? Uh, It'll happen, uh, it can even happen in our spiritual lives. Certainly will happen in a business. We even see it happen in marriages as well. And you say, how do you, if this process, and it really pretty much happens every single time, how do you avoid this process? Well, it's by introducing another sigmoid curve. And usually the time to do it, as you see here, is not when things are going downhill. Sometimes it's too late. It's even when you're having momentum in your life, when you're having momentum in your family, in your spiritual life, in your business. That's when you want to introduce positive disruption. And that's what we're going to look at today, because the key to growth and health is positive disruption. Uh, You think about that as we look at the book of Jonah. Now, Jonah was a prophet of the nation of Israel. Things were going okay, but they faced an enemy out there. Uh, The Assyrian Empire and uh, Nineveh, which is modern-day Mosul, Iraq, uh, was sort of the seat of that empire uh, at the time. And and 
they were faced with what to do. And God intervenes, and he's going to intervene through Jonah. And uh, it, it's really uh, interesting as you look at it, especially how Jonah responds to God's call in his life. Now, you may not know the story. Uh, even if you're not a church person, you may have heard it, right? Is that uh, there's Jonah. He's a prophet of the Lord. God tells him to go preach to the people in Nineveh. He decides to go in the opposite direction, 2,500 miles, by the way. And then uh, there's a great storm. He's on a ship. Uh, they say whose fault it is. He says it's my fault. They throw him overboard. And then he gets swallowed by a big fish. He tells lies. His nose grows and he becomes a real boy. Uh, I get these messed up sometimes a little bit. Uh, well, it's sort of funny though, as, as we tell that story, that some of us, uh, we, we don't have a hard time with the resurrection of the dead. But when it comes to being swallowed by a giant tuna, we're like, I don't know about that one. Uh, and it really has nothing to do, by the way, uh, pastors, sometimes well-meaning pastors have done a lot of disservice here. They're, they're the idea of, well, hey, here's an example where someone was swallowed by a fish and lived. And that's dumb to be honest, because it doesn't happen. The point isn't that, the point is you die. And God did a miracle and so that didn't happen to Jonah. It, it's God working outside of how things normally happen in nature. What we're going to do is we're going to look at a story uh, that a lot of people would consider a kid's story, but it's really a powerful story in the application of a reluctant prophet resisting positive disruption, because I know that's where uh, many of us live. We're, maybe we're on the upside of the sigmoid curve, but God wants to do something new and better in your marriage. And if you don't, you're going hit to a, hit, hit a roadblock. Maybe in your spiritual life, you're comfortable coming to church, which is awesome. I'm glad you're here. But God's saying now's the time to, to really draw in closer, to open up your life more, to go deeper. We're going to see people do that today as they're baptized. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's money. I don't know what it is. Well, let's start uh, taking a look at the first few verses. We're going to go over them a couple times. It's, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. By the way, preaching against Nineveh was not his problem. I mean, these uh, people were awful. Uh, they really were. If you read about the Ninevites, they would go in, they would attack a peaceful country, and they would do horrible things. Most of them I can't even mention in, in church. I mean, but they would kill people. They would bury people alive. They would make them watch the Hallmark Channel. They would do so many horrible things <laughs> to them. Uh, but, and so you understand why people wouldn't like them. But Jonah knew God, and he was afraid that God might show grace. That's what we're going to learn as we go through the next few weeks. Because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish and went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying a fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Whenever you... Uh, Whenever you want to run away from God, you'll always find a ship going the opposite direction. You'll always find a decision. You'll always find a friend group. 
where you can go. Well, one of the things we know about Jonah, he's one of the most unlikable characters in the Bible. Uh, he, was a, he was a grumbler. He was negative. Uh, we don't know, uh, you know why he ended up that way. Uh, people usually don't speak on this book of the Bible because it doesn't have necessarily great ending for Jonah and then uh, the whole living in the belly of the fish. Now, as you look at the scripture and, and you say, hey, I'm a Bible person, uh, and I, I, I would come with a positive, I believe the Bible. Well, we always understand the Bible contains different literature. Uh, some is just straight on history. Some are things like Proverbs. Yeah, interesting thing about Proverbs is they describe life as it is, not as it should be. That's why some are confusing. There's the song book of the Bible, which is the book of Psalms. And so there are certain things that are more allegorical. So, for example, when it said, God uh, says in the Psalms, I own the cattle on a thousand hills, that is not God's, uh, that's not his wealth. That's not saying God literally has cattle on a thousand hills. What he's really saying is I own everything. And so some people will look at the book of Jonah and say, it's really a story to teach a point, sort of like a parable. Now, uh, I believe there's those stories in the Bible. I don't believe this is one of them. And the reason why is because Jesus, as he refers to this, he refers to Jonah as a real person. It says, for, Jesus says this, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So he's uh, referring to him, Jesus talking about his own death and resurrection. But this can be, I don't know, I was going to say, this can be a hard story to swallow. That's bad. That's a dad joke. <laughs> I didn't share that with the other services. Probably have bigger attendance next week at those. The, uh, it's, sort of, it's sort of like this, uh, someone shared with a while back uh, that there was a uh, little girl, she was in her elementary school class, we were talking about whales, and of course we don't know this was well, but the little girl uh, says to her teacher, hey, Jonah was swallowed by whales. Her teacher, you know, just sort of making comment on that. The teacher says, hey, you know, that really couldn't happen. We know that's not true because whales are mammals with a real small throat, and so that uh, just really couldn't happen. And the little girl says, no, uh, I know that Jonah was swallowed by a whale. The teacher says, no, that's not true. So the little girl does the trump card. She says this. She goes, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jonah. And then the teacher's not going to let it go. She says, what if Jonah is in hell? The little girl says, then you ask him. <laughs> that's horrible. I shouldn't have said that. That's really bad. <laughs> Pastor Christopher said I should tell that joke. I want you to consider is that really things can change when we view through the eyes of faith, not your wishes and your want tos, but God's will. And God's will is often represented during inflection points in your life. We talk about this idea of positive disruption. Uh, I, I, I uh, was talking to someone actually interviewed was producing this uh, show on Netflix and uh, was asking about faith. And said, when do people come to faith? And I said, it's usually at an inflection point. 
Because some people say it's when they're going through a crisis. That can be true. That's an inflection point. But maybe it's moving to a bigger new home in a new neighborhood. Maybe it's getting a new job or getting married or having kids or retiring. Often these positive inflection points are when people come to faith as well. Or it can be through a job loss or through an illness or the death of a loved one. Because what happens is we start to think about our life more. It's not uh, that there's this greater need, it's a greater awareness of our need, and we're open to new ideas. In fact, at the end of the service, you're gonna hear someone who, who really had, just has a lot together in his life, and, and he said, I just, he just became open. And maybe you're at that point, and God's gonna use that. Maybe you're on this end of the sigmoid curve, but there's gonna be a new one. There's gonna be a higher level in your life, in your faith, in everything else, because you say, I'm gonna leverage a key inflection point in my life. Well, as I do this as more of an introduction today, I wanna look at four key inflection points that most of us are gonna face. One is a new direction. And I'm not talking about the regrettable boy band. I'm talking about when we get this sense from the Lord that we're going in a new direction. Jonah 1.1, it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Now, people will ask me all the time, how do I understand God's will? It's not a, a huge mystery. They're, they're very, not, I wouldn't say easy, but there are discernible ways to know what God's will is. There are four things that I always look at. One is the scripture. What does the Bible say? Again, we don't worship the Bible, but it truly teaches us everything we need to know about how to know God. And we get examples of faith. And so I encourage you, if you're not a Bible person, become a Bible person. Because no matter how wonderful my opinions are, my opinions don't change anything. It's really, what does God say? And that's where really authority comes from. It's not like all the degrees and stuff I have. No, it's, it's based really on what does God say? So I'm gonna encourage you, if you're not a Bible person, start in the Gospel of Luke or John, read one or two chapters a day, read through it three or four times. And that's because uh, the central part of the Bible is the story of Jesus' life. And you can get, by the way, uh, our app, the Timberlake app. There's a Bible there that you can read. There's something called the Bible app. It's for free. It has reading plans. Encourage you to do that. Uh, maybe you're old school, and we actually give away paper Bibles. They still make those, by the way, uh, at our Connection Center here or other campuses. Obviously, you can go to a hotel, steal one. You can get a Bible almost any place that you want to, but I encourage you uh, because that's gonna be a way to discern God's will. What does it say? What does it say about how I treat my enemies? What does it say about how I deal with my sin and my struggle? Because otherwise, you're gonna have the best guess or the current popular opinion. As people, and it saddens me. If I was gonna base my life off what I hear in the media and the news and all of that, I would despond to the point that I, I don't even want to share with you. Because if that's all life has, then that's not good. But maybe there's another plan. Maybe the creator and the author of your soul 
of the universe. He wants to speak something that you can't think of on your own, and he wants to speak it through the scripture. Another way is through the Holy Spirit. We talked about that last week. Third way is through wise counsel. Who are people? I have a, sort of a counsel of advisors, people who I'm saying, hey, will you speak into my life? Are you seeing things that I'm not seeing? And that's why it's so important to be in community, to be with other folks in a group, or, uh, and then even coming to church. Now, coming to church, that's not just, hey, we want more people here. We do. We, want, we love it when the place is full. We really do love that. And I love to see so many people. But it's just positioning yourself where you can say, okay, I'm going to hear something I may not hear. Maybe even something that you don't like. But it's going to get me thinking, and then we start to discern what God has for our life. Well, that's one way, a new direction. And then the second way is sometimes God will use a bad decision. We all make bad decisions in our life. We certainly see this in Jonah. We'll look at that scripture again that we read where it says Jonah went, ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And, re- and what happened? After paying the fare, he sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. We've all done that, maybe figuratively, in our life, where we've headed away from God's plan for our life. There's always, as I said, there's always a ship going the opposite direction of God's will. Maybe you find yourself there today, and you say, man, this is just, it's going to be the end of me. It doesn't have to be. In fact, repentance is simply, I'm going one way, and then I, I realize I'm going the wrong, and I turn back towards God. There's that great story in the Gospel, Luke chapter 15, where it talks about the prodigal son. It talks about uh, sort of losing his way and saying, no, it's, it's time to go back towards the Lord. And then there's three unexpected challenges. Uh, and, and we see this in Jonah because he thinks, okay, God is just going to forget about me. And God is not through with Jonah. See, God, God could have chosen someone else, but he wanted to teach Jonah something in the process. We read this. It says, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. And later on, uh, as this happens, we see that uh, the sailors and the other people are like, what's happening? Jonah starts to fess up. Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. This terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he'd already told them so. And so he finally confessed. Confession is actually sort of a good thing. By the way, you shouldn't confess confess to everyone. Some people are not trustworthy. If people who are working for your redemption. Shared before a story when I was a little kid, uh, and I think it was in fifth grade, uh, I got in a, a fight. And so just to let, I, I'm from Tacoma, so that explains a lot. <laughs> so uh, so I, I got in a fight, and uh, it turned into a little brawl. There were like four kids in this brawl. And uh, then we got in trouble and got sent to the principal's office, And this is not like now where, uh, you know, today you go to the principal's office and we have, we have evolved in such a good way in so many ways. You know, the principal might say, Hey, how are you feeling? Why did this happen? Are you okay? That's not what happened. 
When I grew up, there were no safe spaces. No, it really wouldn't happen. In fact, they had a paddles. No, some of you don't believe this. This really happened. This is why I'm in counseling. Uh, they had paddles that the principal would use to spank you. One of my friends said his principal had a paddle that he gave a nickname to the Board of Education. And so what happens is, is I'm there and, and he's asking what happened. No one's fessing up. I was a good kid, so I didn't get blamed, even though I started the fight. And so uh, guess what happened? He was pointing out another kid to get in trouble. And so unless I confessed, someone else would have to pay for my sins. And that's why I decided to tell the story today. Taking me a while. <laughs> I'm just having fun, but it is true. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so, so Jonah, he, he says this. He, he finally owns it. And he says, pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. For I know that it's my fault, that this great storm has come upon you. See, this is really the beginning of the transformation for Jonah. When he says, you know what, running away from God is not going to get me anywhere I want to go. I, I just want to own it. And, and you'll be surprised once you're in a group. I love our recovery groups here. And it's interesting how people make such progress in their life. Maybe you're struggling with alcoholism right now. And uh, that's, I'm not here to cast judgment on you. But I will say, if you just keep it yourself, it's not good. You'll try the same thing over and again. It's not going to help. But the Bible says, when we confess our sins, he is faithful and trust, uh, just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then we get experience number four, God's grace. <coughs> the interesting thing here is the story that we know is the story of Jonah and the great fish. We say it's a whale, although we don't know it was a whale. Uh, but look at what it says. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. See, here's, here's where maybe those of you who aren't like me, you were, uh, we throw that back up on the screen. Uh, you were raised in Sunday school. You thought God punished Jonah by the whole fish thing. And really it's not that, that God was providing that that's actually, it seemed weird. I'm sure it seemed weird to Jonah, but it was his redemption. And maybe you're in the middle of something where you're struggling with uh, uh, an attitude. You're struggling with maybe the back end of a decision you made in, with your parents or in your marriage or your job. And, and what's happening right now can seem like the worst day of your life. And really it could be if you leverage that inflection point, it can be God's redemption plan for you. Maybe it's not what you've done. Maybe it's not what you've said. Maybe it's not just that you've become a little stagnant. Maybe it's a hurt that you've experienced. There's a story I read about a lady named Jenny, and she writes this. I'm going to read this because otherwise I would mess it up. She writes this, I was born with Down syndrome 30 years ago. That makes some things very difficult for me. 
When I was younger, I spent a lot of time asking God, God, why did you make me with Down syndrome? Why can't I be like other people? I told him all the time that I didn't like having it. And I was thinking that if I didn't have it, I would be more happy. I thought that somehow God made a mistake when he made me. My mom and dad always told me they loved me deeply and they could not love me anymore. But somehow, deep down in my heart, I wonder if they would love me more if I didn't have Down syndrome. When I was in high school, the kids on the school bus were very mean to me. They laughed at me, they mocked me, they called me all kinds of bad names. They even told me my parents couldn't really love me. That hurt so deeply. When I got off the bus in the afternoon, I'd be crying, and my mom met me at the door and would talk and pray with me every day. She told me that people used to say bad things about Jesus and call him names too, so he understood exactly how I felt. She told me that the real truth is only found in God's Word, the Bible, and not in what other people say about you. She told me that if I could find anywhere in the Bible where God called me bad names or said I was a mistake, she would pay me $5,000. I spent a lot of time reading the Bible <laughs> to find out what God said about me. All the scriptures I found said the opposite, so I never did get the $5,000. Some of my favorite scriptures are this, Psalm 139, 14, where God says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalm 17, it says, I am the apple of his eye. Deuteronomy 7, 6, I am his treasured possession. In Philippians 4, 8, God tells me to think about what is ever is true, noble, right, pure, and lovely. I like to think about the truth that God tells me and spend my time thinking about what God says is true. The last scripture I want to share with you is Psalm 119, 114, you are my refuge and my shield. I have put my hope in your word. My confidence and hope is in God. I now know that instead of being a mistake, I am his treasured possession. Maybe, I, I don't know where everyone's coming from. Some of you are like, hey, life is going good. I just need, it's time to go to the next level. I, I really wanna be open to God, what he's gonna do. Some of you are in a place like that and you say, Ben, there's a level of brokenness I can't even express in words. And I just want you to know that that inflection point maybe is enough space for God to come in. And it may happen in a moment. It may happen in a month. It may be over a period of time. But God will do a work of healing in your life. Maybe for you, it's just this, hey, you know, I've been struggling with faith. But I'm even willing to admit, I may not have seen everything. I, I maybe even have it wrong. And I love to hear the stories of people who've sort of crossed that line, who came in humility and said, you know, I'm gonna be open to God. And before I pray and then we celebrate in baptisms, I want you to hear one of those stories. Hi, I'm Daniel. Uh, this is my wife, Amber. We've been coming to Timberlake for just about a year now. I was born in San Jose, California, and I grew up with a single mom, and faith had always been a part of my own life um, as a way of kind of refuge for me from what I dealt with in life. I was born in Germany to, in a military family, so we moved around a lot. When my parents were still married, my we went to Catholic church, and then after they got divorced, I didn't go to church again. So Daniel and I went to high school together in San Jose. He went off to the military, I went off and lived over the West Coast, 
And then in August of 2011, we reconnected through Facebook uh, shortly after we were married. I was uh, pretty hardcore like agnostic. I didn't understand how to get to believe. So when we first started dating, he was totally open to going to church with me. It wasn't until one night we did get in a discussion about Jesus and I realized like, oh, he's not a Christian. That was my first realization that this is gonna be a little bit of a struggle. I just continued to pray really hard. I had to accept that it wasn't gonna happen in my time. It was gonna happen in God's time and he was gonna do it in a way that spoke to Daniel so that he knew for sure this is it. I got asked to volunteer at an event for Acres of Diamonds, and that's when I was introduced to Timberlake. We first watched online for two or three weeks, and he really enjoyed Pastor Ben, and I was just like, yes, <laughs> like finally, you know, something. So we came in person, our kids loved it, and the first time he decided to come to church by himself with the kids, I knew God was moving. I just had this realization that I was ready to get there for a long time, but then I was just battling myself. Like, I kind of built a front of like, I don't believe in this stuff. I'm very a very prideful, stubborn person, so reconcile that I was just wrong. <laughs> that was difficult to do, and as soon as I really kind of became open to the idea that there's a God, uh, I definitely felt like there was something missing, but I was just in my own way. He would tell me about these things that he'd pray for is like, give me a sign, and God would totally deliver. Yeah, there were a lot of affirmations. It was an organic, progressive thing that just kept going in the same direction, and the closer that I was getting to, to Jesus, the healthier I was feeling, the more you know stable, the more peace I was feeling, and then just one day, it just all, all went at once. And, and right then, like, I just, I accepted Jesus. I just, that second, I felt like this burden lift off of me, and, Everything just made sense. And it was October 30th, we went home, and he continued to watch sermons online, like all day long, like nonstop. And I was like, oh, something's like happening, like, you know, what's up? And he said, the next time they do baptisms at Timberlake, I would like to be baptized. And I really couldn't quite believe it. Like when you pray for something so hard for so long, this is over a decade now, it finally came to fruition. Immediately I saw like a change in him, like, he, his patience grew, um, his demeanor softened, like happier, joyful, like it's just wild. I didn't realize that I was missing out on joy, missing peace, and now that I have it because of Jesus, I just feel like I'm not really just getting through days, I'm experiencing them and, and enjoying them and all the blessings that, you know, come along with it. Why don't we think? You know, it, it's always hard. And, and as I saw them this morning, saw the baptism, and, and, you know, pretty well put together people saying, you know, maybe I've gotten this wrong. Maybe God has something for me when I really wasn't open before. And, and I don't know what specific area that is for you, but see, that's where God wants to build your faith. And maybe for you, it's this, hey, coming into a relationship with God. If you can never remember a time where you've invited Jesus into your life, then I encourage you to make that decision today. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray with you and for you. I'm not going to call you out or have you go to a special room or anything like that. I just want you to do some business with God. Will you pray with me? 
Lord Jesus, I thank you for all my friends who are at an inflection point, whether it's in their marriage or their business. God, I just pray that we would invite you in so radically to lead, to be first, no matter what the decision, no matter what the difficulty. God, I pray for my friends who who have that want to in their heart. And that's faith building up inside of you, that you would want to come to Jesus in a relationship with him. And here's what I'm going to have you do. Again, just pray silently. I'll pray out loud. You can pray with me, something like this. And you'd say, Jesus, I invite you into my life as the leader of my life, the forgiver of my sins. I thank you that you died on the cross for me to pay for my sins and that you rose again from the dead to break the bonds of sin and death. And so I trust you. And God, I trust you uh, with all that I have and all that I am. And the Bible says when we pray a prayer, something like that, that he is present and powerful in our lives. That he'll be with us in this life and the next. If you prayed that prayer, you can get more information at a connection center. If you're online, press the raise hand button. We wanna help you in your next steps. God, I pray for all of us that as we face these inflection points in our lives, God, that we would invite you in, not as a last resort, but a first resort. God, that we would come with expectation that 2023, no matter what's happening in our society, in our business, that this will be the best year of our life because we've invited you fully into it. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message podcast. If you'd like to watch the video version of this, visit our online campus at online.timberlakechurch.com, which is live Sundays at 9, 10, 15, 11, 30, and 5 p.m. Pacific time. And don't forget to check out our app for a one-stop solution for all things Timberlake. Thanks again, and I hope to see you this weekend.